Hello, my people. Very good to be with you. This is Brandon Nielsen, and it is a pleasure, my fellow Christians, my fellow gatherers of Israel. All right, so let's start. Let's start our lesson on Mosiah 1 through 3. Come follow me. First of all, I just want to start out and say, just as a reminder that Jesus is the Christ. It is all about him so that we can come into the Father. I'm so thankful for this opportunity that we have to come together. So let's talk a little bit of background. We have uh, King Benjamin. He's getting old. He needs to pass on the kingdom. And he also wants to kind of leave his last testimony or conference. So he decides to gather all the people and build a tower and he is going to speak to all of them. Uh, I recommend if you haven't seen the video of this, the Book of Mormon video, I recommend watching it. It's it's pretty cool. Some of the CGI that they did, uh, computer-generated images that they did, you know, showing the people that are all out into the trees. I mean, there are thousands of people. It was pretty phenomenal. It's quite quite an epic scene. So I would definitely recommend seeing the Book of Mormon videos on this. So we started today... And first off, starting off, man, I was in, I don't know, with just all this, the stuff that's going on in the world right now, the uh, the pandemic with the uh, different things, it's it's very upsetting to me. Um, I I feel like we're losing our freedom, and it's it's very upsetting to me. Whether it doesn't matter where you're at with this. It's just, it for me, it's very upsetting. And I was kind of upset. I was a little bit upset. Um, I wasn't upset at my children, but I kind of was at my wife, which is weird because Satan was trying to use that against me. Um, but my wife and I, we figured it out. We talked. Uh, I have this technique that I do to actually... Uh, figure out like develop the technique to be able to work through the emotions see because you guys emotions emotions fuel are the fuel that keep a feeling and they keep they keep it alive for example i'll just give you this i know it's kind of like wait what was it what, what am i talking about this wasn't necessarily the plan but i just felt like i should share this with you if you look in the book of mormon the and we'll actually talk about this soon. It's kind of cool. But the Lamanites, the Lamanites kept a tradition going because of an emotion. So if you remember the Lamanites, some people might say, oh, they hated the Nephites. The actual emotion was they were wroth. They were wroth with the Nephites. Okay. It's an interesting emotion, right? Wroth. What does that mean? It's part of an anger. So they were angry at the Nephites. And so they started hating the Nephites because they were so angry at them. And they kept this tradition going for years and years and years until finally somebody said, woke up and said, what are we doing? It's actually a Mosiah 10. And I believe it is Mosiah 10. Believing that they were um, in ten twelve, believing that they were driven out of the land of Jerusalem, talking about the Lamanites, because of the iniquities of their fathers, and they were wronged in the wilderness. 
and again that they were wrong while in the land of their first inheritance, etc., more faithful. Nephi was favored. Okay, in 14, here you go, Mosiah 10, 14. And his brethren were wroth with him because they understood not the dealings of the Lord. And in 15 again, it says they were wroth with him. And in 16, it says they were wroth. And in 17, it says that they should hate them, meaning the Nephites. And then down towards the bottom, it says have an eternal hatred. So these emotions fueled this tradition and it became a curse, a wicked family tradition to hate eventually. So this wrath or anger led to a hatred of the Nephites. Well, to go back to what I was saying in the beginning, um, I've developed a technique over the past 15 years. It's called emotional stress release. And my wife and I were just working on that. And then I just am telling you this because I am so thankful for my wife and the team and the and the companionship. I almost called it teamship. The companionship that we have. So after we did kind of work through the emotions that I had, which and I knew what they were, but I had to work through them and, and get them out. And after I was able to do that, I still felt a little bit upset. Again, because I just feel like my... So my freedoms are being taken away. Okay, and I know we have to respect some of those things and to keep ourselves safe, all this stuff, but maybe there's too much freedom being taken away. Maybe there's a lot of secret combinations. President Ezra Taft Benson talked about conspiracy. It's exactly right. It's called a secret combination. The Book of Mormon was written for our day. We are being taken advantage right now because there is conspiracy going on. There is, there are secret combinations going on that. I will say that. I testify that there are secret combinations going on. And part of that, when you start thinking of it, is affecting us and taking away our freedom. Anything to take away our freedom is an abomination. So when we take away freedom, when we take away family, we take away Christ. This is an abomination. Okay? So, let's talk a little bit about what's happening in Mosiah. King Benjamin, he's getting old. He knows he's getting old. And it is time to be able to kind of give a last uh, sermon. And to be able to let the people know what is truly in his heart. What an amazing king he was because, you know, when you think of a king or even the royalty over in England, how do they how do they get their money? The people all pay for them through taxes. But King Benjamin, I mean, this guy was a work. He worked right alongside his people. He wasn't one of these kings where he just took money, raised taxes, evil like King Noah. He wasn't wicked like that. He just worked with the people. He was an example and a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ. What a, what a great man he was. What a great king. If all kings were like him, it would be phenomenal, but we know they're not because when they get a little bit of power, they use it wrongly. All right, so let's talk about this. Let's go to Mosiah 1. 111. 
All right, so it says, oh, sorry. What was I at 111? I was in over in three. So let's go to, was I at 111? Okay, here we go. And moreover, and moreover, I shall give this people a name that thereby they may be distinguished above all the people which the Lord God hath brought out of the land of Jerusalem. That's that's pretty big. I shall give this people a name that thereby they may be distinguished above all the people which the Lord God hath brought out of the land of Jerusalem. So he wants to give them a name to be able to distinguish them. And this I do because they have a diligent have been a diligent people in keeping the commandments of the Lord. And I give unto them a name that never shall be blotted out except it be through transgression. So let's just look at this really quickly. So this name. So if we actually go to and select the the if we hover over the name, right, and we click on name in 11. So what's cool about that is it goes right to the footnote in our electronic scriptures. So what it takes us to is Mosiah 5, 8. But I'm actually going to read a verse before and a verse after. So let's go to Mosiah 5, 7 through 13. So he's talking about the name, okay? And now because of the covenant... Which ye have made, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters. For behold, this day he hath spiritually begotten you. For you say that your hearts are changed through faith on his name. Therefore ye are born of him and have become his sons and his daughters. Now, what's so cool about that? is we learn in here how Christ becomes our Father. And so Christ, yes, is both the Father and the Son, in the sense because He is our Father through the covenant that we've made. All right? So, because of the covenant, what is the covenant? Well, the covenant that we make is baptism, Right? So the promise of promising the Heavenly Father, all that we promise, and then He promises to us. Okay, so a covenant. So let's see in Mosiah. Here we go, 8. And under his this head, so again we're in Mosiah 5, 8. And under this head ye are made free. And there is no other head whereby ye can be made free. There is no other name. There it is given whereby salvation cometh. There's no other name. Therefore I would that ye should take upon you the name of Christ, all you that have entered into the covenant with God, that ye should be obedient unto the end of your lives. And it shall come to pass that whosoever doeth this shall be found at the right hand of God, for he shall know the name by which he is called. For he shall be called by the name of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? So I, at the beginning I said, my fellow Christians, are you, have you truly accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? And now it shall come to pass that whosoever 
shall not take upon him the name of Christ must be called by some other name. Therefore he findeth himself on the left hand of God. And I would that ye should, 11, remember also that this is the name that I said should be given unto you, that never should be blotted out, except it be through transgression. Therefore take heed that you do not transgress, but the name be not blotted out of your hearts. I say unto you, I would that ye should remember to retain the name written always in your hearts. Now what's interesting, actually, I want to talk about this right now. Let's talk about written in your hearts that ye are not found on the left hand of God. I want to actually go to hearts right now. So let's go over, let's skip over to Mosiah uh, 2.9, okay? And then we'll come back. In Mosiah 2.9, it says something very important. And it, it's, it's really cool because he teaches us about the hearts. And we're going to learn a lot about the hearts in Mosiah. Okay, and these are the words which he spake, meaning King Benjamin, and caused to be written, saying, My brethren, all ye that have assembled yourselves together, you that can hear my words, which I shall speak unto you this day, for I have not commanded you to come up hither to trifle with the words which I shall speak, but that you should, listen to this, he's going to tell us ears, and he doesn't tell us eyes right now. He'll tell us that later in some other chapters. But it, ears, I'll, I'll add in. I'll add in eyes. He talks about the hearts. And then he talks about our mind. Okay? So get ready. So he said, don't trifle with me here, folks. Just listen. But that you should hearken. So we know that hearken is to listen and to obey. Right? Whenever that word hearken comes up. It means to listen or to hear and then to obey. So he says, hearken unto me and open your ears that ye may hear. So our ears to hear. Now we know our eyes are to see. And again, we'll, later on, we'll, he'll teach us that. And then, and your hearts that ye may understand. Okay, so he just told us that in our hearts we understand. And then he tells us in your minds that the mysteries of God may be unfolded to your view. Okay, so eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand, and then our minds that the mysteries of God may be unfolded to your view. Guys, what's really interesting about the mind, so our brain is to our body as our mind is to our spirit. Say that one more time. Our brain is to our body as our mind is to our spirit. What is our mind? Because every cell has, in a sense, a mind. I'm not talking about your brain, the organ, but there's a mind. That mind component is, allows us to have knowledge, to have wisdom. So he says, so in our hearts, and we'll come back to this, that we may understand, but our minds, that the mysteries of God may be unfolded to your view. So every cell in our body has a, has a component of mind. Every cell has a nucleus, which is the brain. But if it didn't have a mind, then it wouldn't be able to 
continue going and living. So what is your mind? You have your brain, but what is your mind? It allows you to keep going and moving and believing. So, like, wait, where's he going with this? Your minds that the mysteries of God may be unfolded to your view. So I'm going to give you an example. I want you to understand this uh, of repentance. You have approximately 370, excuse me, 37 trillion, 37 trillion. What? That's a lot. Yeah, 37 trillion cells inside of you. Now, each one of those cells has a nucleus and a mind because each cell is it's it's like a mini you so for me each cell is like a little mini brandon and each one of those cells if it stays in organization or if it's in harmony with the bigger me then i continue in 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 harmony and i become one or one with the spirit my spirit and then the spirit so as i continue to become one with light or truth the spirit then i become one with god But in order to become one with God, I have to repent every whit, every single cell. I must be able to change to be able to come in harmony with God's commandments so that every single cell in my body becomes obedient. All right, And he explains that over in Mosiah 3.19 jumping around here a little bit right for the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever so so the natural the natural man okay like it says in the footnote if you go over to Genesis 8:21 and the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the grounds any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living. So our carnal, our carnal nature is evil, right? And it's an enemy. So our carnal, our, our, the natural man is an enemy to God. So what I'm trying to say here, you guys, is we must overcome the natural man, the natural man. We must put off the desires of the body. And so if we have 37 trillion little Brandons, little U's, you must overcome each one individually and collectively overcome so that Every single cell in your body comes into harmony with God's teaching, with light, with truth, with the Spirit. All right? Now, that might seem hard, 
But he gives us the recipe right here because he says the natural man. And we're still going to go back to the heart. He said the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever unless he yields. Here's, here's your recipe. Unless he yields, number one, yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit. Well, once we start yielding to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, our mind, our very mind starts to come in harmony with God's mind or our will, another way to say that, our mind, our will comes in harmony with the will of the Lord and putteth, putteth off the natural man and becometh a saint. And it can only be done through, you guys, here it is. Here's my favorite part, through the atonement of Christ the Lord. And becometh as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child does submit to his father. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Elder Bednar had a quote for us. Um... Let's see if I can find it. I've seen that so beautiful. Let's see if I can find Elder Bednar's quote. All right, here we go. Elder Bednar said this. It is the atonement of Jesus Christ that provides both a cleansing and redeeming power that helps us to overcome sin and a sanctifying and strengthening power that helps us to become better than we ever could by relying only upon our own strength. The infinite atonement is for both the sinner and for the saint in each of us. Remember what I talked about last week, you guys. The atonement of Jesus Christ is for the saint. It's for us. It helps us every day. It's helping me right now. It helped me overcome. My wife, I didn't tell you this part, but I'm going to tell it because I just was reminded of it. After we went through to overcome those different emotions, I asked my wife, I just said, will you please say a prayer for me? Just as a prayer of faith. And uh, we took just a moment there. She said a prayer. She just asked Heavenly Father to please help me just let go of this, this anger that I was feeling that we're in the situation that we're in in the world. And it was so beautiful. And she just expressed so much support for me and so much thanks for me. And I just felt one with her. And I felt like I came into harmony once again with Jesus Christ and I felt like I could do this this recording so again thank you thank you Jolene I, I appreciate that so much okay so there we were we were talking about hearts I got off a little bit on minds and we got into uh, Mosiah 319 let's talk a little bit about this in Mosiah 5 and um, there we were we were talking about the name the name written always in our hearts in 12, Mosiah 5, 12. 
that ye are not found on the left hand of God, but that ye hear and know the voice by which ye shall be called, and also the name by which ye shall call you. My point of that was, you guys, to retain the name written always in your hearts. Where do we understand? We understand in our hearts. So we must start to understand who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, the man who was did it in his way, who was the Lion of Judah, who would wipe out a whole civilization when they didn't obey, who was a lion. That is Jesus Christ. We, we need to understand who Jesus Christ is. And we do that in our hearts. So let me ask you this. Is Jesus Christ, is his name, that name, written upon your heart? And one of the best ways to truly understand is to come to know him, to study him, to ask Heavenly Father to help you to know him, to understand his atonement. I remember back when I was at BYU-Idaho, uh, Elder Bednar, Elder Bednar came and he was he was our president. I mentioned Elder Bednar twice. And I remember he said um, something that stood out to me is he said to study the atonement of Jesus Christ. Try to understand it. And I just, I keep feeling as I've grown and matured, I keep feeling like I'm understanding more and more. I don't completely understand how it all worked, but I know that it was one by one. I know that it was individual. And I do know for you listening to this, I know that he suffered for you individually. I know that he would have done it just for you. I know that he loves you, that he's your savior and your redeemer. He did it individually, but collectively, because he did it just for me. And he would have done it just for me. And I love him for that. Mosiah 5.13, For how knoweth a man the master whom he has not served? And who is a stranger unto him, and is far from the thoughts and intents of his heart? He says it a question. How knoweth a man the master for how knoweth a man the master whom he has not served? And who is a stranger unto him? He's asking us. So if we go over to 2.17, it's really interesting when he says, And behold, I tell you these things, that ye may learn wisdom. Mosiah 2.17 That ye may learn that when ye are in the service of your fellow being. You're only in the service of your God. Isn't that beautiful? For how knoweth a man the master whom he has not served and who is a stranger unto him? Are you a stranger to Christ, you guys? And is far from the thoughts and intents of his heart? Do you think about Christ daily? Do you help others come to Christ? Are you coming to Christ? 
So he told us there, he gave us a clue how to come to know Jesus Christ. He said, when you're serving your fellow beings, you're serving Christ. When you're being angry at your fellow beings, me today, I'm sorry. You're being angry towards Christ. So is Jesus Christ constantly with you? Is the most important thing right now gathering Israel? What is gathering Israel? Gathering people to Jesus Christ. Coming to help people have this name written upon their hearts. This name that will never be blotted out. Well, going back, let's go back. All the way back to Mosiah 1 here. And if we look in Mosiah 1, here we were in 11. And we go back to that name and we go to the footnote there. And if you look at that footnote under name, if you go down a little bit, it says Jesus Christ taking the name of Jesus Christ upon us. And you scroll down and you just look here. It's in the topical guide, right? Jesus Christ taking the name of Scroll down a little bit, and I like this uh, scripture here in 2 Nephi 31, 13. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, I know that if ye shall follow the Son, again, this is 2 Nephi 31, 13, if you shall follow the Son, meaning Jesus Christ, with full purpose of heart, of heart, acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God, but with real intent, repenting of your sins, witnessing unto the Father that you're willing to take upon you the name of Christ. Oh, there it is. Take upon you the name of Christ by baptism. There it is. Yea, by following your Lord and your Savior down into the water according to his word, behold, then shall you receive the Holy Ghost. Yea, then cometh the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, and then... Can ye speak with the tongue of angels and shout praises unto the Holy One of Israel? Hurrah for Israel. There it is. Receiving, taking upon us the name of Christ through baptism and then being able to receive the Holy Ghost and speak with the tongue of angels is my prayer that we might be able to speak with the tongue of angels. Wow. Guys, this is beautiful to me. This is so cool. I love this. So that was from Mosiah 1. He just taught us so many great truths there about taking upon us the name of Christ. And we talked about being a profitable servant. Um, let's, just, let's just talk here now. Let's go over to Mosiah... Uh, let's see. Uh, let's let's go over to Mosiah um, three, and then I'll skip back to two. Okay, let's go to Mosiah three um, sixteen. I really like this because it's pretty cool. How okay? So King Benjamin here, he's talking again. Still, still giving me this phenomenal sermon, and he says in Mosiah three sixteen, and even if it were possible that little children could sin okay so he's talking about the atonement of his blood up before in 315 talking about jesus christ and then he says and even if it were possible that little children could sin which we know they can 
they could not be saved. So he's saying, if they could sin, they couldn't be saved. But, but, I say unto you, they are blessed. For behold, as in Adam or by nature they fall, even so the blood of Christ atoneth for their sins. So you guys, the law is, here's the law. If you have not entered in, taking upon you the name of Christ, and we know Third Nephi or Second Nephi thirty-one three, we found out that we take upon us the name of Christ through baptism. That's the gate, right? And then receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Baptism is the gate, all right. And now we know that in the sacrament, you guys remember the sacramental prayers. What do we find in the sacramental prayers? You remember that, right? Sacrament, yes. Hopefully. Sacrament? No? Maybe? So? <laughs> Alright. What does it say? Do you guys remember this? Think about this. Taking upon the name of Christ. O oh God, the Eternal Father. And then it goes through that they are willing to take upon them the name of thy son, taking upon us the name of Christ. All right, so through the sacrament. So, back to third, or Mosiah 3, 16. And even if it were possible, they couldn't, if they could sin, he says, but I say unto you, they are blessed. Now that blessed thing caught my attention because I thought, what does that mean here? Then he explains a little bit more. They're blessed because the atonement of Jesus Christ covers their sins. Because there's a law. The law says that in order to enter into the into the straight and narrow, we must be baptized and enter that covenant, right? We must make a covenant through that ordinance of baptism. But he says in a in another word, he says they're blessed. Little children are blessed. Or little children are covered through the atonement of Jesus Christ. So let's skip over here to Mosiah 2. Let's actually go to Mosiah 2.36 and then 41. So they're covered or blessed, he says. He's, that, that word, I like that word blessed. They're blessed. It's kind of like they're covered. Even though there's a law, the kids are covered. They're taken care of. I've, I've got them. I got their back. I've got them taken care of. So listen to what he says in Mosiah 2.36. Towards the bottom. Um, the Spirit of the Lord. That it may have no place in you to guide you in the wisdom's path. He's talking about the Spirit. Okay? Let's let's read the whole thing so you can get it. Mosiah 2.36. And now, I say unto you, my brethren, that after ye have known, have been taught all these things, if you should transgress and, and go contrary... To that which has been spoken, that ye do withdraw yourselves from the Spirit of the Lord, that it may have no place in you to guide you in wisdom paths, that ye may be blessed, prospered, and preserved. So again, that blessed, prospered, and preserved. Now let's look at 41. And moreover, I would desire that ye should consider the blessed or blessed and the happy state of those that keep the commandments of God. For behold, they are blessed 
just like the children are blessed. So what does that mean? They're, they're covered. The atonement is working for them. Just like the children. For behold, they are blessed. The atonement is working for them in all things. Remember, the atonement of Jesus Christ is for the sinner, but it's also for the saint. It's for you and me. We're not, hopefully we're not getting into crazy things where we have to repent of sin, but we have to repent of those transgressions and the blood and sins of this generation. We have to repent of the traditions of the fathers, right? And let go of those emotions like the Lamanites. See, I'm tying this together, connecting the dots. We have to repent of those traditions and come unto Christ. For behold, they are blessed in all things, both temporal and spiritual. Therefore, I would have to say that we use the atonement of Jesus Christ for both temporal, yes, making money, our jobs, our careers, and spiritual, helping us be better moms, helping us be better dads, helping us be better students for you kids and be better athletes and be better citizens. And if they hold out faithful to the end, they are received into heaven, that thereby they may dwell with God in a state of never-ending happiness. Hallelujah. Wow, joy. Oh, remember, remember that these things are true, for the Lord God hath spoken it. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. So when I think of that phrase, blessed or blessed, I think just like those children, but I say to you, the little children, they are blessed. So why are children blessed? Remember, then we go to Mosiah 3.19 again, and it says, Christ the Lord becometh as a child. Children are blessed. Why are they blessed? Why does the atonement of Jesus Christ for them work for them? Because they're willing to submit they're willing to be meek humble patient full of love willing to submit to all things which the lord seeth the fit to inflict upon him even as a child does submit to his father you guys the perfect example of a child the perfect example of this is our father in heaven he is like a child. Christ said, Be therefore perfect. Be you like a little child. Be therefore perfect as my Father in heaven. Be like a little child. Wait, what? A child is like our Heavenly Father. I'm not talking when they're rowdy or they're getting crazy like my kids do sometimes. I'm talking about that you have to get after them. And then a moment later, they forgive you. You ask them to please help you, and they're willing to submit. They're willing to be patient. They're willing to be full of love. That is our Father in heaven, who loves us. He loves you. He loves me. I'll tell you a quick little story. And I'll finish with this. I'll actually finish with one other thing from President Nelson. When I was a little, when I was a little boy, um, we actually lived in Richfield, Utah, 
and my sister Kelly um, was going to, she was going to be playing um, the piano or the organ. Was it the piano or the organ? I think it was actually the organ. And she was going to be playing the organ for the the primary and the and the youth choir. Um, I believe it's the youth choir, and she was only about twelve years old. So I think I was about maybe she's a little bit older. Maybe she's thirteen or fourteen. I'm going to say I was about ten years old. And she she went. And I had a couple of experiences because she didn't like to go to the big tabernacle by herself. Can you imagine like a 13-year-old girl um, going to a, a big, one of these big, you know, tabernacles, one of those old tabernacles, not the tabernacle up in Salt Lake, but it was the tabernacle in Richfield, Utah. So she and I, she would ask if I would go with her so she didn't have to be alone so she could practice the organ to get ready for the youth choir, youth choir that was going to be seen for a state conference and uh i remember i went uh to the to the tabernacle with her and she was practicing practicing and and i thought um what do you do when you're just you can only listen to your sister for so long i mean practicing she's a phenomenal organist and piano player but i started kind of searching what was in the tabernacle and i thought I had this feeling that I should pray. And I I did this on a couple of occasions and there was there was one after this that was very very special, but I'll tell you this one this was also very special. I remember I thought I I am going to pray. I'm so here I am about 10 years old and I went up into the balcony of that old tabernacle in Ridgefield, Utah. While she was playing and practicing the hymns, and I remember I knelt down over on the west side of the of the balcony, and there was these old radiator heaters that would kind of spit and sputter, and I remember kneeling down, kind of almost behind the curtain, hiding. And I remember I knelt down and I I said, Heavenly Father, our Father in heaven, and I started to pray. And I remember I asked him if he was really there. And I remember feeling such a sweet feeling of joy and happiness, of gratitude, of love. And I knew in that moment, just a little boy praying, That God, our Father, your Father, my Father, is real. I knew he was real then, and I know he's real now. And I testify he heard my prayer. I couldn't deny it. I hadn't felt something like that. Like that. I had felt that another time, and maybe I'll tell you that before I'll actually tell you that right now, but one night in my bed, I decided, or I knelt down by my bedside. This was even before that. And I remember that night, all I was going to do is just kneel down and pray, and I was just going to thank Heavenly Father. And that's all I did. 
as I just went through everything I could think of. And I thanked him. I remember I thanked him for the trees and I probably thanked him for the leaves and everything that I could think of. And I knew, I felt that sweet feeling of peace and joy and comfort, almost like this, like this, like this blanket of love surrounded me. It was very similar to the last time I remember when my mom, I was getting too big and I remember my mom held me on her lap and she rocked me back and forth. And I was a big boy at that time. But I remember she rocked me back and forth. It was the last time I remember she rocked me on her lap. And that's the type of feeling I had that night when I thanked Heavenly Father. And then that was the type of feeling I had in the tabernacle when I was about 10 or 11 years old. And I knew it was true. I knew it and I know it now that God the Father he lives. He is our Father. I'm not talking about Jesus Christ. I'm talking about our Father in Heaven. And so I've known this. And I've continued to ask since then to get other special experiences, fun experiences. And I know. And I feel that right now. I feel that redeeming love. I feel that feeling like when I was on my mom's lap. It felt so familiar, like home, like my father, like when I've spent time with my dad. You guys, I testify to you sacredly in the name of Jesus Christ that our Father in heaven is real. He is the Father of us all. His Son is Jesus Christ, the Creator our brother. Hopefully we can become a friend to him. I'm so thankful that I asked. I'm so thankful that I listened to that feeling to go and just kneel down. And then another time later on when she was practicing, I did it again. And I had even a more special experience. So let's talk, let's finish up with this. President Nelson said some marvelous, marvelous things here in this last conference. And I'll just tell you a couple. Let's let's talk here about this one. All right, here we go. See if I can find it. He said this. We live in the day, this is President Nelson, just from last conference, April 2020. We live in the day that our forefathers have awaited. He's saying this, this is us. We live in the day that our forefathers have awaited with anxious expectation. We have front row seats to witness live what the prophet Nephi saw only in vision. That, listen, you guys listen to this, the power of the Lamb of God would descend upon the covenant people of the Lord 
who were scattered upon all the face of the earth, and they were armed with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory. You, my brothers and sisters, are among those men and women and children whom Nephi saw. Think of that. Are you guys serious? Did you just hear that? We are the people. You are among the people. That the power of the Lamb of God would descend upon the covenant people of the Lord. Whoa. The power of the Lamb of God would descend upon you and me. Listen to this. First Nephi 14. And it came to pass that I looked and beheld the whore of the earth. She sat upon many waters, and she had dominion over all the earth, among all nations, kindred, tongues, and people. And it came to pass that I beheld the church of the Lamb of God, and its numbers were few. That's us. Because of the wickedness and abominations of the whore who sat upon many waters, nevertheless. So you guys, the whore is already, the abomination is already happening. I beheld that the church of the Lamb, who are the saints, remember how we become saints, Mosiah 3.19, of God were also upon all the face of the earth. And their dominions upon the face of the earth were small because of the wickedness of the great whore whom I saw. And it came to pass that I beheld that the great mother of abominations did gather together multitudes upon the face of all the earth among all the nations of the Gentiles to fight against the Lamb of God. Now listen. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, beheld the power of the Lamb of God just what President Nelson said, that it descended upon the saints of the church of the Lamb and upon the covenant people of the Lord who were scattered upon all the face of the earth. And they were armed with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory. And then listen to this, what Elder Rasben says. We live in that time. Hold on, I'll rewind. It is your choice to be armed, to have that power of Jesus Christ. It is your choice. I pray that you will plead and ask Heavenly Father for repentance. Not just from the sins, but from the traditions of your fathers, your mothers, the blood and sins of this generation that are keeping you from Jesus Christ. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. As I was pondering the other morning, as I try to do each morning, and think of all the things and allow, remember in Ether 12.27, I got to show you this really quickly, then we'll come back to Elder Rasban. Remember in Ether 12.27, Let's look this up. Okay. Ether 12, 27. I will show unto men their weakness. Remember that? You can remember that. I haven't even got there. I just started quoting it. But let's actually go to the scripture. And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then I will make weak things, plural, become strong unto them. 
So we know And so if we cross-reference Jacob 4, 7, so we know that the fall, because of the fall, we have weakness, right? By the grace of his great condescensions unto the children of men that we have power to do these things. So I give unto men weakness that they may be humble. My grace is sufficient, okay? So he says he will show, and if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. If men come unto me, I will show, and women, show unto them their weakness. And we know we are weak because of the fall. The natural man. So, so often, all we focus on is on our, our, the sins. Oh, we this and that. But we need to focus on and allow Christ to show us our weakness. Why are we weak? Because of the fall. What is it that we're weak? Yes, because of the fall, but What? So I, I invite you to hear him that he may show you your weakness so that you can repent or become better each day. That's all it is, you guys. Becoming better each day, just a little bit better. So today, okay, so today I fell a little bit. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better at this. I'm going to become better. I'm going to overcome. Remember, we want to let go of those emotions the wrath, the anger, the fear. Because when we use those emotions to fuel us instead of faith, then we actually lack a trust in Jesus Christ. And that's all I was going to tell you. I was going to share that experience. But looking back, for example, if I if I put more emphasis as a, as a youngster about what people thought about me, and I was afraid about what people thought about me, then what I did is I put my trust in fear and men instead of trusting in Jesus Christ. So it's cool because the Lord has been showing me my weakness. You have to ask for it. You have to be ready for it. All right. Elder Rasband said in this last conference, going back to President Nelson, and then Elder Rasband said this, We live in that time prophesied. We are the people charged Oh, yes, we live in that time prophesied. We are the people charged with ushering in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Well, what? what? We are the people charged with ushering in the second coming of Jesus Christ. We are to gather God's children. You guys, gather Israel. Those who will hear and embrace the truths, covenants, and promises of the everlasting gospel. President Nelson calls it the greatest challenge the greatest cause and the greatest work on the earth today of that miracle I bear my witness. Hurrah for Israel. It is time to gather Israel. Gather yourself, clean the inward vessel first, you, and then continue to share and become a light unto the nations. I pray that we will gather Israel. I pray that we will increase and be able to create a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that we might hear him so when the time comes that we may see him. I testify of these things that we have a duty, we have a responsibility to gather Israel. I testify that Jesus Christ, he lives, he loves us. He is my savior. He is your savior. He is our redeemer. 
and he is my God. He is the creator of this universe. I testify of Heavenly Father that he is our Father. I know the Book of Mormon is true, and I'm thankful to Joseph Smith, and I testify that he was a prophet of God. I'm thankful to him for all of his work. I thank Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. I look forward to meeting you when the time comes. Let me say this. Carry on. Strength and honor this week. We will talk soon. Farewell.